Is Ohio State the most interesting watch in the country? Are they headed to the Final Four? We've got someone here who has particular insight into just that question. Locked on Women's Basketball starts now. Welcome to Wallet. For the win. You are Locked on Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Well, hi, everyone, and happy Tuesday to you. I'm Howard Magdal, founder and editor of The Next, where you can get all your women's basketball coverage, over 100 reported pieces every single day at thenexthoops.com. And I want to thank you for listening to our podcast, the Lockdown Women's Basketball Podcast, six days a week covering the sport that you love. It is Monday through Friday on all topics, Saturday on the WNBA Draft, Subscribe here on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, we pay particular attention to Kevin McGuff's program at Ohio State, The Ohio State University, which is a very, very interesting team. Uh, I'm going to get into uh, a bit of the stats, nerdum that come along with it, uh, which I love to do. Um, Coach, first of all, thank you for being here uh, with us. And second of all, just as you come through a week like this, where it is just the absolute meat grinder of the Big Ten, how do you kind of stay sane as you're trying to navigate handling, you know, scouting of a pair of top 10 teams in your week? Well, Howard, I'm not sure I do stay sane. <laughs> Let's start there. But um, sure. no, the, the, the Big Ten, this is as good as it's ever been. Um, you know, the, the teams are great. There's a lot of talent. The, the coaching's as good as any league in the country. And, you know, one of the interesting things, too, is like, and I don't have the stats behind this, but it seems like attendance is up everywhere. Uh, the interest in, in our league and in, in the teams in our league is, is at an all-time high. So it's tough. I mean, and, you know, we, we've had a great run. We were undefeated up until last night. And, you know, yeah. for us now, we got to handle losing. We gotta, we, we've handled winning fine. Our kids have showed up. They've been focused and all that. We weren't at our best last night, but give Iowa credit. They were terrific. They were better than we were last night. And so now we got to handle a loss and we got to make sure we show up today and we practice the right way and we get ready for a great Indiana team. So I want to take you back if I can. And so our listeners ought to know, uh, Coach, you have been uh, at the epicenter of success in this sport for several decades now. You know, we can talk about your time at, Xavier, of course, we can talk about, you know, your time at UW, all of these things that come into play. But I'm going to go back even further. I'm going to go back to the uh, Notre Dame team you were on staff for uh, with Muffet McGraw, of course. And that team was undefeated until February 17th, 2001. And then there's a 54-53 defeat at Rutgers. And I'm just wondering how much, and, and, and maybe I'm overstating it, but how much you think that and figuring out how to navigate a loss like that helped you guys get the rest of the way and ultimately capture that championship? That's a, that's a great point, Howard, and I didn't even think about it like that. Um, but that is something I can certainly draw on. Um, that mm-hmm. was a, a magical year for me uh, personally and professionally. Um, when we, you know, had that year at Notre Dame where we won a national championship. And I do, I do remember that loss at the rack. <laughs> uh, um, that was rough. So, um, 
that's cool. Um, but, um, yeah, I think, like I said earlier, um, like that team at Notre Dame, you know, we, we handled that loss and it kind of was a wake up call for us and to kind of get back to, to, to being who we, who we were capable of being and practicing the right way and preparing the right way. And I think that's the same thing for, for this team. And, um, you know, we're in a little different situation in that, you know, one of our best players, JC Sheldon will be coming back at some point, um, very soon, I think. And so us infusing her back into the lineup, I think will give us a big boost. And I think we'll give the team a lot of confidence. So, you know, I think, us getting back to kind of being who we're capable of being and infusing her back in. Hopefully that gives us, you know, the, the, the boost that we need to, to be the team we're capable of being here down the stretch. The spoiler alert for those of you who don't remember is of course that Notre Dame team went on to beat Connecticut in the national semifinals, beat Purdue in the NCAA champions, uh, championship game, uh, a big day for you guys in St. Louis, Missouri. And so before we get into some of the details of this team, because J.C. Sheldon is an incredibly exciting player. There's so much to this roster up and down. And frankly, the way you play, uh, which I guess you did say the same thing up and down, right? In terms of J.C. specifically, I know that is such a challenging thing in multiple ways, right? Number one, you got a young woman whose future you have in your hands and you're figuring out how to navigate, making sure that she is healthy. You also, and you know this, you've produced, you know, pros aplenty that the WNBA is looking closely at like, what is her injury history? How is she coming back? You know, people coming at the games. I know I talk to people in front of offices. They love her. They love her as a two-way player. And we, we were seeing her early on. She had 33 steals in her first five games. And we'll get into the way in which you guys play that way that allows that to happen. But how are you balancing those things? What, you know, what, what goes into it as you're trying to figure it out? All right. When do we bring her back? What is the line that we're drawing there? Because you have the present and the future to consider at the same time. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right. And um, well, one, she's an incredible kid. I mean, I love coaching her and she's been so, so great in our program. And, um, you know, I think the thing with JC that's, that's a little bit unique is that I, I, my my thought on this with her specifically is that we bring her back when she's ready to to go 100% because mm -hmm. she's not the type of kid who does real well with hey we're going to like play a, a couple minutes we're going to load management and all that stuff if 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 she, when i take her out of the game and she's completely healthy it's like a fight like she's out, out for like 10 seconds she's like coach why am i not back in mm -hmm. she wants to play and and she's just got a motor that doesn't stop so you know, we're going to bring her back when she's ready to go. And, you know, I'll let the doctors and the trainers, you know, really be at the forefront of that. And, and they'll tell me when we can go, but when it's time to go, we're going to go. And, and, and she, cause like I said, she doesn't do well with sitting on the bench when she's, mm -hmm. when she's able to play, she wants to be in the game. And so she's a, she's a great kid. I, I can't wait to get her back and let her get out there and, and play and, and, and impact our team. Like she, she was before she got hurt. But, um, you know, I, we're, I think we're close, but obviously we're, we're trying to be very prudent and just to make sure that she's 100 percent and that she can be at her best down the stretch. I mean, it helps, of course, that there is less urgency in the sense that there's so much talent up and down this roster, obviously. And you've seen some other players take steps forward. But, you know, I mentioned the steals thing and 
you know, one of the most interesting things to me about the way you guys play uh, is number one, the way you run. Uh, the fact that uh, you are uh, coming into last night, you were ninth in the country in transition points per possession, but you had more transition opportunities, according to Synergy, than any of the eight ahead of you. 23.6% of your offense was coming out of transition. Uh, it, it's obviously something we're familiar with seeing out of your teams, but it's almost just taken to another level. And I guess I wonder, and we'll get to the defense in a moment, do you think that running teams ragged like that at the offensive end helps you create those defensive opportunities to turn people over? Yeah, no, we've we've kind of tried to, to obviously merge our offense and our defense to create a, a, a an overall system that relies on certainly pace on offense and then full court pressure on defense. And, you know, I, I like the way we play. And I think, um, you know, when we're – healthy and, and at a hundred percent, I think, I think we can be a difficult team to, to play against. And mm -hmm. so, and, you know, we emphasize conditioning we emphasize, I mean, it's kind of simple, but like, I'm really on them that we run like, like run. And, and I thought that was, you know, not to get off topic, but last night in that first half, we weren't running on offense and we weren't putting pressure on Iowa to get back and stop us. And that was a problem for us. And so we kind of got it together a little bit at halftime, but, um, when we're not running and putting pressure on the defense to, to really get back and stop us, that's a problem for me. There's this next level, this, this um, kind of uh, a motor that you hit, that you reach. I've seen, uh, I saw you do it in the Minnesota game as well, where, you know, the Gophers had to lead in the third and then you guys decided to step on the afterburners. You're right. It, it did seem to come a little later against Iowa than it typically has. I think you were at zero fast break points midway through the third, which is shocking given the way, I mean, and just for our listeners to understand, this is a team that put up 96 on Louisville. This is a team that, you know, went out and put up uh, 83 against Minnesota, 99 at McNeese State earlier this year, a couple of 100-plus, right, State in North Alabama. So the points go in a hurry. I, 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 let's talk about the other side of that. I want to get into the defense because you being your complete team is what makes you, to my mind, such a championship contender. Going to take a break a moment, though, and talk to you about our brand new sponsor, uh, which is FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here, and we're really excited about the new sports betting partner for Locked On. It's the number one sports book in America. It's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have a lot of great features that make betting fun and easy. New customers join to get started today with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. You just go and sign up at fanduel.com slash locked on. It has all your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a bigger chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So fans, don't miss out. Use your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets at fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So defensively, you guys last year were about as good, a little bit better this year, but about as good offensively. Defensively, you go by points per 100 possessions. I think you were 128th in the country. Now you're top 25. That difference, to me, is powered by the way in which you're able to turn people over. And I just wanted for our listeners to frame our discussion, talk about this, because these numbers are amazing. Steal percentage, 
for me, is one of the best ways of determining, all right, you, you know, you go beyond, you know, just deflections and what you're seeing and the eye test on defense. And you say, all right, how many times are people just coming up with the ball? And, you know, JC had the 8.2, which is, you know, comical how good it is over her five games. But you guys have Madison Green at 4.4, Ebony Walker at 3.7, Cody McMahon at 3.5, Taylor Theory at 3.4. It just goes on and on. Even, you know, Taylor Mitzel is 10th on your roster and she's at 2.1. Like everybody is contributing to this. And so take me through, if you could, just bigger picture how you viewed the changes coming into the season for your defense and also just how, like when the rubber hits the road, how are you making that happen? Well, you know, we obviously have committed to, you know, 94 feet of pressure and we, we, we like to press and we like to, to really get after people and, and use our depth in that way. I think that we've gotten a little bit better this year in marrying the full court with the half court mm. and just to make an, an overall just more comprehensive, better defensive system. And so yeah, I still think we have some room to grow there, and that's going to be a big point of emphasis down the stretch. And, uh, you know, we need to finish off possessions with our rebounding to be better. But um, I, I think just the, the, the marrying the full court and the half court has been the biggest jump this year for us. It's really interesting, and the numbers bear this out. Again, because of the way you guys play, you don't – and, and it's fascinating to me, right? Some teams are trying to bridge the gap between how often you're in transition and how often the opposition is, and you're trying to limit how much they run. It doesn't seem like that is a major point of emphasis. And by the way, it doesn't need to be because you guys are elite at both. So if you look at your numbers from an overall half court perspective, and we'll go back to synergy, 0.69 points per possession. So you're upper tier in... Um, nationally on the half-court defense. What are you also? You are 0.798 in transition defense. It was just a crazy low number efficiency-wise. When teams are getting out and running, they're just not finishing against you guys. How, how are you doing that specifically? What is it that allows your transition defense to be so effective? Yeah, I don't know because I don't like – I think our transition defense has got to go better <laughs> I was, you know, but like any, like, I, I just like any, anything we give up in transition defense really irks me. So that's a, that's a, that's a pet peeve of mine. Um, but one of the things I think um, we are doing a, a little bit better job this year, whether it's versus like people at the end of the press or in transition defense, I think our post players are having a better presence around the basket not fouling, but at least making people shoot over them and, and take tough shots. Mm -hmm. And then we're, we're getting back into play and, and, and rebounding. So I think our, our, our at the end of our transition defense or at the end of our press, our post players are doing a really good job just, just not giving up easy baskets. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, listen, far be it for me to tell you that you're not correct about your team, but it is certainly in terms of the national picture, you guys are doing it as well as anybody in the country. If you're telling me there's another gear, I think for uh, the nation to deal with the fact that a 19 and one team is about to get uh, a superstar player back and has another gear in transition defense, that seems a little bit frightening to everyone. I would imagine. Well, no one uh, hear that. Stacy comes back. We're in transition a little bit less because she's getting the, the steals yeah. that she was getting and we're making layups. So I hope that, I hope that's right. What 
Understood. Yeah, no, it, it, it makes sense. And certainly her efficiency at that end will play a part in that. Something else that will for sure, of course, is uh, the continued play uh, of Rebecca Mikula-Sakova. And I just want to talk about her because I just feel like she, you know, Taylor is obviously, you know, somebody who we've seen and has done so many great things. JC, somebody talked about a lot. Rebecca, all she's done is become a 6-4 stretch post who's making 60% of her twos and 38.2% of her threes on four and a half attempts. Like, how did she transform in this way? And has she exceeded what even expected what she could be for you so far this season? Yeah, she's a very unique player, and she's a really important player um, for us. When you talk about the offensive end, um, you know, she allows us to really create great spacing, and, and she stretches the floor. She also draws the other team's post player and sometimes rim protector away from the basket, mm-hmm. um, which has been really good for us. And, um, you know, when we recruited her, I thought I thought she had great potential. And, you know, it, it, it honestly um, it, it evolved in, a, in, a, in an interesting way. And, and we had a lot of post players when she first got here. We had a couple transfer out. And I think that was probably good for us for her development in terms of now she had a much bigger role and she's really stepped up and done a great job. And, but she's a really sweet kid. And, um, she, she, you know, she loves to, she loves her teammates and just been a great kid in our program, but her ability to play away from the basket has been really, really important for us. And so that's a sacrifice that you guys make. You are essentially looking on the defensive end to be doing it through turning people over rather than being um, necessarily crashing the boards or, you know, just sort of traditional rim protecting. It's a trade-off that's clearly working for you. Is that the system that all things being equal you prefer, or is this just what you are running as a consequence of the specific skill sets you have of the players here right now? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, a little bit of both. I like how we're playing. I really do. And <clears throat> my preference would be to continue to recruit to it. Um, we're always going to play, um, an up-tempo system on offense. I like the pressing. Um, now the way we specifically play in the half court on offense might have something to do with how we recruit. Mm -hmm. If we continue to find host players that can play in the perimeter, that's my preference. I just, I like the spacing. I like the fact that we can draw the rim protectors away from the basket. It it helps our guards when they get to the rim, no one there contesting shots. And I think it's, I also like this too, and and our I know you you cover the WNBA extensively. I think it's a great system for preparing people for the next level. You see a lot of WNBA teams doing a lot more in terms of their spacing, and so I think our kids have an advantage by playing in this system. I no question about it, and I think you see it again and again, and will continue to. Uh, I, I it's. I do want to talk about that before before we go. And so just real briefly, thank you to our listeners for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Game to Game NBA. Every moment across every top performance, every result, Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. And somebody who covered or who watched the NBA a lot. And we met years ago about just this person. And that was when I was doing a story about a young guard in your program named Kelsey Mitchell. Uh, She's gone on to, of course, great things, not only for you, but now in the WNBA. 
just take me through what it was like to have her back uh, and be able to see her in person and um, just what that experience was like uh, having Kelsey returning to the program this week. Oh, it was great. She's such a great kid. One of the hardest workers that I've, I've ever been around. I mean, she just her her, um, her success is not by accident. She's, she's just such a hard worker. She's a great kid, incredibly humble. I told her yesterday, you know, she's the, the second, I think second all-time leading scorer in, in NCAA history. And I told her yesterday in front of the team, if we were playing and running offense like we are now, when I had her, she'd be number one. And no offense to Kelsey Plum, because I love Kelsey Plum, and I recruited her to Washington before I left. Um, but, like, we're just – we're way more efficient offensively um, the way we run it uh, than when she was here. Um, but she's a, she's a great kid. I, I really, really, really enjoyed having her back. She was phenomenal with our players. Um, you know, she, she gave every, every player on our team her phone number and said, hey, any of you guys ever need anything, reach out to me. I want to be there for you. I want to support you. I want to support the program. So I, I couldn't have been happier having her back, and it, it was really just a thrill. She's becoming a leader. Lynn Dunn's talking about this, too, uh, with the fever, that this is where she is finding that next step. But you did. You you stole my thunder, which was to say that you are the master of recruiting high-scoring Kelsey's. As <laughs> yeah. Hey, it, it is funny. Like, I recruited both of them. They're both left-handed. They're both named Kelsey. And, boy, can they both score the ball. They sure can. Well, so can, so can your team now. So to everyone, if you are not watching Ohio State, game in and game out. Make sure you are tuning in. That's going to be an epic one against Indiana coming up later this week. I will certainly be tuning in on that. Thank you to our listeners for listening to us every day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Kevin McGuff, always great catching up with you and all the best to you the rest of the year. Be seeing you down the road, I'm sure. Thank you, Howard. I really appreciate you having me on today, buddy. My pleasure. To our listeners, tune in tomorrow. Until then, I'm Howard Magdal wishing you a wonderful day. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball.